Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. So Jesus told us in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He, he tells us a number of things in this verse that are extremely important to us as Christians. First of all, it is the thief who steals. It is the thief who kills. It is the thief who destroys. The thief, or the kleptes, everybody say kleptes. That's the original Greek word there. Only comes to steal from you. He only comes for the purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. And lay traps that fall under that description as well, stealing, killing, destroying. Jesus says the thief, the thief, the thief, not a thief, telling us that this is the chief of thieves, the thief, or the kleptus, Satan himself is the thief, right? It's the thief. Kleptus is where we get our English word klepto, and you know that word, it means to steal. Kleptomania is a mental disorder in which someone cannot resist the urge to steal things. The Greek word kleptes means pilfer, pilferer, embezzler, or one who steals. This is the job description of the devil, the thief. He's a kleptomaniac. Satan has made it his entire purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. It's what he does. And it never ceases to amaze me how so many Christians miss the truth here. When something is stolen from them or destroyed in their life, the first person they blame is God. Why would God do this to me? Why would he take my loved one away or allow this bad thing to happen to me? Why did he allow me to be in this situation? God, why did you do this? They blame God and it happens over and over and over. I've seen it through the years. Understand, God gets blamed for a lot of things that he doesn't do. Sometimes things happen just because we live in a fallen world. Sin entered the world, and with it came the consequences. Death is one of those. And and yes, Satan is always laying traps to carry out his evil plans, and sometimes those plans are successful. But whether bad things happen as a direct result of Satan's actions or indirectly because we live in a fallen world, Satan is always laughing when we are hurting. God never laughs when we're hurting. He never chuckles at your struggle. He weeps with us and always is reaching out to help us get through these things. He is not the root cause of death and destruction. Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundantly or life to the fullest. It is his joy to give us abundant life. And this abundant life he speaks of in this verse is an eternal life, a life to the fullest for all eternity. But we should also understand that it means that he gives us an abundant life on this side of eternity as well. In other words, Satan can can only bring death and destruction both here in this life and for all eternity. Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus offers life to the fullest both here and for all eternity. 
He offers full, abundant life. What is that word abundant? And I, I went back to the Greek on that word as well. Perezas. Perezas, I guess. You've got to put the accent at the end. Perezas. Can you say perezas? Okay. It's the original Greek word here. It's translated abundant in the verse. It means, and listen to this, exceedingly over and above what is necessary. I love that. It falls under the meaning of having a superior, extraordinary, surpassing, or uncommon type of life. I want you to hear this. God doesn't want you to live an ordinary life. I'll just wait till that sinks in. God doesn't want you to live an ordinary life. That's not his plan for you. He wants you to have an abundant life. It's why he came. And that abundant life means above and beyond, exceedingly over that which is necessary. He has come to give you an extraordinary life, a superior life compared to a life without him. A life of surpassing, a surpassing blessing, more than you need, an uncommon life. It even carries, this word abundant, carries with it the idea of having an advantage, a more excellent life. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came. You know, the devil has made it his purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. But the whole purpose of Jesus coming, he says, I came, I came to give you life, and life abundantly. And I want you to hold that thought about the kind of life that Christ came to give you. What kind of life? Abundant, Abundant right? Hold on to that. According to Genesis 1.27, says this, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Who created you? God. He created you in his likeness, in his image. God is a God of purpose. He has a purpose in everything he does and a plan for every action he takes. And because we are created in his likeness, we too have purpose. It's an inherited trait from our Heavenly Father. You're like your dad. You're like your daddy. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're just like him. You're created in his image. It's an inherited trait from our Heavenly Father, our, the, the purpose that we have been created with. That it, it's built into us. We long to have purpose and meaning for our lives. It's not enough for us to merely exist. God wove part of himself into the fiber of our very being. Psalm 139, 16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has a plan for you, church. He has a purpose for you. Your, your days were planned out. And he not only created you with a purpose, but for a purpose that he never stops trying to help you fulfill. You're not the result of some random process. You are the object of his affection. You are a masterpiece. You got to turn to your neighbor and tell him that. You're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. The very best work of his hands. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say this again. You're a masterpiece. Amen. And when the devil starts picking on you, telling you things that aren't true, coming at you with condemnation, with, 
with depressing thoughts, with hateful thoughts, with, with things that just get you down. You know what I'm talking about, right? You got to just go, shut up, I'm a masterpiece. <laughs> go to hell. That's the only person you can tell to go to hell, right? <laughs> go to hell because I'm a masterpiece. We are masterpieces, the work of his hands. And you are always, according to that scripture I just read in Psalm 139, 16, you are always on his mind. Psalm 139, 17, 18 says the same thing. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Can you, I mean, imagine that. God, his thoughts about you as his masterpiece outnumber the grains of sand. And he does that for all of us. It says this, and when I wake up, you are still with me. Let me sum up what I'm trying to say here. And this is kind of a long intro, but I wanted to talk about that for a second because it becomes a foundation for what we're going to talk about in a minute. The God we serve is a purposeful God. And he created you on purpose for a specific purpose. And fulfilling that purpose, finding it, living it, and letting it dictate your steps in this life is the only way that you will ever truly experience the abundant life that he has for you. And he has an amazing life for you on this side of eternity and on that side. And let me tell you, if you understand that and you latch onto it, it becomes an anchor for your life. The word of God anchors us, as does prayer when we communicate with him daily. We talked last week about a living a life of worship, bringing worth to God in everything that we say and everything that we do, and how that becomes an anchor for us as well. But here's another anchor for you this morning. Knowing and living your personal purpose. Living out that personal purpose. Living out the plans that he has for you. Amen. It's an anchor for your soul. So how does living an abundant life of personal purpose anchor you? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Number one, or point A, it's given to us by our captain. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Our captain is Jesus Christ. He is the master builder the great architect of the universe. He knows all. He sees everything in the present, everything in the past, and everything in the future, all at the same time. He is so powerful in his creative nature that he speaks things into existence. Think about that for a second. He speaks things into existence. He says galaxy, and a new galaxy with its billions of stars appears. That's our God. That's who we serve. He says things and they're created. That's an amazing thought. Nothing is too small for him and nothing is too big for him to handle. He's Jesus. He is God. And, you know, we all have feelings of insignificance from time to time. Like we really don't matter. Those feelings can be crippling if we let them take over. However, we must realize the truth. The God of the universe that I just described a second ago is the same God that created you for a significant purpose. How can you be insignificant 
when the captain you serve has created you as part of his master plan. It brings significance to your life. It brings meaning. It's your purpose. He made you significant because he's created you with a purpose. That's an extremely powerful anchor in your life. Do you guys remember um, back in the day when we uh, saved our quarters to go down to the local arcade? I mean, that was awesome, wasn't it? We didn't have very good home video game systems back then. We had this, you know. (laughs) Some of you young'uns don't know what you're looking at right now. But if I was playing Pastor Donnie, um, he would be two and I would be four. And um, on that side, and I can move my little controller and the stick goes up and down to hit the ball that's bouncing and then it bounces back and then the other guy moves his stick up and down to hit the ball. It's, it's like tennis or something. It's Pong, right? They call it Pong. It's a great game. You know, we upgraded a little bit a few years after that and we got these, right? How many had an Atari 2600? Oh, that was the cat's pajamas, wasn't it, if you had that? All the kids wanted to come to your house and play video games all night long. And these were goofy games like, that's Pitfall, man. That's, I have a theory that that is the first version of like a game that had levels and, and you know, we talk about Mario and all the different levels. This thing, it had levels you go through and Pitfall 2 had levels that went deep and they went, yeah, anyway, you could map it out. I actually wrote out all the levels on a piece of paper and drew them out, even though they looked lame like that. And then there was this game too, Battle Tank. Oh, that was a great game. I can, almost sing, I can almost sing the music to it, but I'm not going to. And at the arcade, the games were not as good as the home systems are today. We played them and thought they were cool and all, but, but you know, I always seem to gravitate towards the old pinball machines. Anybody with me? They kind of like those old pinball machines. That's actually a Jaws pinball machine. They had them for movies. They had them for rock bands. They had them for all sorts of things. Um, I just think I, I liked knowing that it was based off more physics and mechanics, the pinball machines, and not some digital program that could be designed for me to fail. I don't know, maybe, maybe I was just a, maybe I was unique in that, but I, I felt like I had more control. They just required, pinball required just a little bit more skill, at least I thought. But here's the connection I want to make to this. When you are your own captain, you will end up pinballing your way through life. You'll just go wherever the flippers and the bumpers in your life bounce you, and hopefully you will eventually realize that to be in control is really living out of control. Insignificance sets in pretty quick when you're living out of control. When Jesus is your captain, and when his plans and purposes for your life become your plans, You won't find yourself pinballing through life, bouncing here and there, wherever the circumstances take you. There's a sense of significance to your life because he has given you a personal purpose and fulfilling that purpose allows you to be part of his master plan. The God of the universe who speaks galaxies into existence created you for a specific purpose so that you could help him fulfill his master plan. How much more significance can you need than that? And knowing that, that you really do matter, that you matter, 
that you were made on purpose, it's an anchor. It's an anchor, church. It keeps you from getting sidetracked in life. I will even say this. It even helps you stand against temptation. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Or some versions say the people perish. Some versions say the people cast off all restraint. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law. When our lives are focused on the purpose that our captain has given us, we will literally restrain our flesh from sinful things that keep us from fulfilling that purpose. Let, let me give you an example of that real quick. Are you, are, is there any dads in the house? How many know that as a dad, if you act a certain way in front of your kids, that your kids may pick up on that and adopt that into their behaviors? How about we know that our purpose as dad is to raise a godly family and we realize that how I act matters, all of a sudden we're restraining our flesh from doing what our flesh wants to do, whether it's yelling or screaming or going off at the mouth. We restrain ourselves because we have purpose and it keeps us from sinning. It's amazing when we understand the power of purpose in our lives. We live an anchored life of significance when we know that our captain, Jesus Christ, has given us our purpose. How does understanding our personal purpose anchor us? Well, I just told you, the captain has given us our purpose. But number two, it unfurls our sails. It unfurls our sails. When a sailboat unfurls its sails, the kinetic energy of the moving wind is captured by those sails. The sails are tied up and they're not, and not unfurled until the captain of the boat decides that the wind is right and the time is right. And as soon as those sails are unfurled, the energy of the wind is transferred to propel the boat. The potential of a sailboat to move across the water with speed and accuracy can never be reached, hear me, can never be reached if the sails remain tied up. Searching out and finding the personal purpose that our captain has created us for and then living to fulfill that purpose, it literally unfurls the sails in our life. The wind of his Holy Spirit blows and we move towards living our full potential as his highest creation. You were born for greatness. You were born for greatness. You absolutely were. Every single one of you. You have unlimited potential in him. Unfortunately, some Christians never live in that potential for whatever reason. They shy away from their God-given purpose and, they, and, and their sails, they just stay tied up. Their personal boat is afloat. Turn to your neighbor and say, is your boat afloat? <laughs> their, their personal boat is afloat, and that's a good thing, but they miss out on experiencing what they can really accomplish in this abundant life that he's given us, a life full of purpose and meaning as we live out his plans. You know, when I was a teenager, I, um, I bought my first car, and it was a 1979 Ford LTD. Looked just like that. Brown. 
I mean, I don't know what shade of brown that is, but uh, it's a shade of brown. <laughs> Mine was just like that. Of course, I, I had to see, once I bought it, what it could do out on the open road. I mean, how fast, Mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry I did this. You don't know about this probably, but how many are still scared of their mom? <laughs> I had to see how fast I could get from zero to 60 with that, that baby. What its top-end speed was, right? How did she handle at those speeds and around those corners? And Of course, back then, when you're 16 and you bought your first car with your own money, that car, and you just leave that picture up for a little bit, that car somehow transforms into the General Lee. <laughs> and you drive it like Roscoe P. Coltrane is in hot pursuit right behind you. I mean... You drive that brown LTD, which, what does LTD stand for? Leftover tin from Detroit? I don't know. But you drive that LTD down the highway, and you suddenly believe that you are David Hasselhoff himself, and that your car's name is Kit, even though it somehow talks to you with Mr. Feeney's voice. Some of you need to watch some reruns to understand what I'm talking about. But my point is, you want to see what the car is made of. You want to see what it can do. You want to know its full potential when you're 16 and you have your first car. And it's only a car. That's all it is. God created you with unbelievable purposes, and some of us never even try out. We never even try to find out what that potential is within us. He provides the wind and he, we keep our sails all tied up. And yes, it may seem easier just to sit there and float. It may seem less risky, but let's cut those ties and keep our sails, uh, cut those ties that keep our sails bound up and let's see how far he can take us. See, having purpose, knowing that he's created you for a purpose, it's unfurling. It just unfurls your sails and you can reach the potential he has for you. You know, a moving car is much easier to steer than a parked one. You ever think thought about that? It's kind of paradoxical, like a lot of things in Christianity. We become most anchored when we're moving in Him. To refuse to move is to not be anchored at all. You know, I've experienced this in my own life. Sometimes I, and and some of you have too. Many of you have, but sometimes. I find myself getting so busy and wrapped up in fulfilling his purposes and plans for my life that I don't even have time to complain and whine about the difficult things in my own life. Have you noticed that? Like you get busy doing what God's called you to do, whatever that may be. And I want you to, tell, I want you to know something. That's not because I'm a pastor. That's not because I'm a pastor that that's true. That's, that's, that can be true for all of us, right? As we do what God's called us to do, and we get so busy on that, some of the hard things that we would normally would wipe us out, it's like we just sail across the top of them because we're so focused on what God's plan is for our life. How many know this life is short? If you're hurting, you're not going to hurt forever. If you're struggling, you're not going to struggle forever. There's a day coming when all this is going to be gone and we are going to be in eternity and there's no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. None of it. But while we're here, we might as well be busy. 
You know, when Mary and Joseph found their 12-year-old son named Jesus after they had lost track of him, they questioned him as to where he had been, to which he said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Let's be about the father's business. This, again, this life is short. It'll have its struggles, no doubt, but the sooner we realize that there's a job to be done and he's created us for a purpose and that he has a plan for us to fulfill, the more anchored we become. And I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand or deny your struggles. Don't, don't misinterpret me. But, but when overcoming the personal struggles in this life, when overcoming your own personal struggles becomes your whole purpose and reason for existence, how will his purposes for your life ever be realized? And sometimes that happens. We get so focused on all that we're going through that we miss that he has so much more for us than that. Let's get anchored in the spiritual kinetic energy of his purpose for our life. Let's allow those sails to be unfurled and see how far he can take us. How else does our personal purpose anchor us? It's our spiritual sea legs. It's our spiritual sea legs. You may have heard someone point out or say, maybe in person or maybe in a movie, that an individual has a good pair of sea legs. Arr, you got a nice pair of sea legs, right? Sea legs are the ability to stay balanced on a ship during rough waters. That's the definition of sea legs. Personal purpose gives us a sense of balance in this life. Life happens. We all go through difficult things from time to time. Some even experience horrific things, but there's just something about knowing and living your personal purpose that brings balance and perspective to your life, especially during the struggles. And when Alyssa and I experienced about 12 years ago, um, both of our dads passing away unexpectedly within five months of one another, it, it wasn't easy. They were heroes in our life, and we counted on them for guidance and support and even mentorship, encouragement, all those things. But in the process of going through the grief of that, we became much better at understanding those going through similar situations. Going through that grief brought with it experience. Experience that I could turn, that I could in turn use to minister to others as I pastored. It's hard to explain, but my purpose to minister to his people somehow gave me more balance in the midst of that storm. Personal purpose has a way of doing that. When you understand what your calling is, what your purpose is, that he's created you for a purpose, and he didn't just create people in, in full-time ministry with purpose, he's created every one of you with purpose. When you understand what that purpose is and you begin to live and walk in that purpose, it's amazing how even the difficult things that you go through, the struggles you go through, become part of that purpose. God promises us in Isaiah 61.3, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of, a mor instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. So even in the midst of the storms, the waves, all that, you're like an oak planted when you have that purpose. And, and you know, you give him those difficult things and he gives you back beauty in return. And some of that beauty is you being able to use it to help others. I've seen it many, many times in so many of you. 
The very thing that was tough for you to go through becomes the thing that you use most to minister to others. And that's a tough thing. That's a hard message to swallow. When you give him the ashes of your tragedy, tragedy, he gives back beauty. He gives you joy instead of sadness, praise instead of despair. And this happens when we take those difficult things that we go through, and it takes time, it's a process, but as we take those difficult things that we go through and we give those ashes to him, he gives back beauty, and if we let it, it can help us fulfill the very purposes he's created us to fulfill. That's a tough thing. It's easier said than done, I know. But to be so focused on the purposes that he has created you with that you take those tragic things and give them to him so he can give you beauty back. It's an amazing, it's, it's an amazing thing that he does. And when you give back those things, it's, it's incredible how even the, the most destructive waves don't knock you down. Your purpose gives you sea legs and you remain balanced. Balanced. Personal purpose anchors us, right? It anchors us. It gives us that sense of guidance when we understand that it comes from our captain, Jesus. Our personal purpose uh, unfurls our sails as we move towards our potential in Christ when we live to fulfill those purposes. And, and thirdly, our, our personal purpose is like spiritual sea legs in our lives. It balances us through life's most destructive waves. Personal purpose anchors us. This series we've been in has been called Anchored. The things that anchor us in the faith. And it, it, it could be, you could entitle this and preach it a different way. You could say that it's the, uh, it, it's the basics of the faith. The word of God, prayer, worship, purpose. And if you have been listening at all, you might have realized that those things are also our core values in this church. They anchor us in our faith in who we are. The question comes up in reference to purpose, though. How do I know what my purpose is? How many times, pastoral staff, how many times have we heard people say, I don't know how to find my purpose. I don't, how are you supposed to do that? And I think people wait for a lightning bolt a lot of times. They wait for the, the earthquake to happen, and then they'll know. The truth of the matter is, I, I really can't tell you what your purpose is. God can. That's something you gotta work out with him. But I can give you some steps to find it. Number one, pray and ask God. What do you want me to do, God? God, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. I'll do anything if it means your kingdom's being built. Pray. God, show me. What can I do? Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I mean, do we believe the Bible or not? I don't know what my purpose is. Have you asked God? Because according to his scripture, he says he'll tell you. He'll tell you. He'll give you insight to that. So pray and ask God. And that's not something you can just sail over and, and, and not do. Well, I don't like that part because I, 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 I get bored when I pray, so I'm not going to pray. I'm sorry, I can't help you then. Number two, look for what God is already doing and join him in it. You know, this just makes good sense. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, do you? You don't have to reinvent 
the wheel to do something for the Lord. Look for opportunities and act. Look for those things where he's working, where he's already pouring out and, and you see him moving and there's fruit uh, happening. And join it. If someone comes to you with an obvious need, pray for them right then and there. I mean, if you open yourself up to that, I'm telling you what, you will have opportunities galore and you'll be like, whoa, where did this purpose come from? It's always been there. You just gotta open your eyes to it. Are you a part of this church? Nobody is, I guess. <laughs> Are you a part of this church? Yeah. yeah. Even for the, those of you online that watch religiously every week, you're part of this church. We consider you part of this family. You have a job to do wherever you're at, just like we have a job to do here. A purpose. God's plan for our lives. If you're part of this church, find an area to serve in and serve with your whole heart. Well, I don't like kids. Well, don't serve in kids' ministry then. <laughs> youth just anger me. Well, then don't serve in the youth ministry. I can't sing. Well, don't be a singer then. There's always things you can do within the church. There's outreaches you can be a part of. And, and there, there's greeting. There's, you know what? Someone standing at the door smiling can change someone's life forever. Someone coming by during the week and saying, when we're in the middle of construction, saying, hey, could you use an extra hand cleaning? That'd be wonderful. Well, that doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. Are you kidding me? Do you know people, visitors come to your church and they, they will, one of the main reasons they leave is if the bathrooms are gross? I mean, well, what about the word of God? If the, word, if the preaching's good and, the, and all the ministry's good, the worship's good, then they'll stay. Not if the bathrooms are dirty sometimes. They'll turn around and leave. There's all sorts of things you can do. And that's my point. All sorts of things you can do to be a part of. And it's all within his purpose and plan. Some of you are servants. Some of you are, have gifts of mercy. Some of you have gifts of administration. Some of you have all sorts of those motivational gifts that we talk about from time to time. Some of you are encouragers. There are people in this church who their ministry is to write cards to people who need an encouraging word. If you want to be a part of that, just, just come and talk to us. There are people in this church who pray for as many people as they can think about within this body. They pray through a list and they pray for people every single week and some every single day. They call out your name to God and that's their ministry. That could be your ministry. I don't know where God has, has called you to or what his plan is for you or how you fulfill that purpose for your life. And you know what? As you get older, it probably changes some. You know, I was sitting there thinking in worship this morning. I used to sing here a lot, leading worship, but I can't sing like Cole sings, those high notes. Man, I never could sing that way. Well, did I get replaced? No. I just don't have to do that. Anymore. You understand, there's callings for everybody. Places, things to do. Wherever you find a serve, serve with your whole heart. That's another way you can find out what your purpose is. And if you want, and you still can't find out, you know, set up an appointment with Pastor Jared, because he, I can't tell you what God's purpose is for your life, but he can. So... <laughs> 
No, set up an appointment with us and we'll work with you. We'll, we'll ask you your passions, your talents, your gifts. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll attack it from any angle we can. But you know what? This church will, will serve God's purposes in Indianola, Iowa the best when everyone who attends here has a part and everyone is doing their part. Right? That's when it works really slick. So look for what God is already doing and join him in it. Pray and ask God. And number three, know that all of us are supposed to make disciples. That, that, that's just across the board, our purpose. Matthew 28, 19, 20 tells us that, right? Go ye into all the world and, 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 and make disciples, right? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, that means we have to be ready to share what we've seen and heard. We have to be witnesses. We have to prepare ourselves in this. Write down your story and how God has saved you. Get good at telling it. It's one thing I love about our podcast that's going on right now. It's people from this church being interviewed and they're telling their story. There's nothing better than telling your story and getting good at that because then when the opportunity presents itself, you can be a witness of what God has done in your life. You can tell people what you've seen and heard because it just comes naturally. Memorize some scriptures. That will help you in sharing the gospel. You know, you should probably memorize John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Or how about the Romans road? Some of you have that memorized. That's the one, I, that's my go-to all the time. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10, 9, and 10. I, I love those verses. They tell the whole gospel story just that, that quickly. <laughs> Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10.9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For it's with the mouth that you confess, it's with the, the oh, I'm going to mess that one up. The heart that you believe unto salvation with the mouth that you confess him as Lord. So those are great verses to use in your salvation sharing as you share the gospel, right? Those are great verses for you to share. I, let me take it back to pur purpose, and, I, and I'm through. And I, 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 I even finished early today. So you can go watch the Iowa girls wail on whoever they're playing. <laughs> Knowing, finding, living out your purpose, your God-given purpose in this life can anchor you in a tremendous way. Amen. It can. So let's do it. Let's let our purpose really become an anchor for us. Let's let that be the case. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that in all of your power and glory and majesty and in, in the, the absolute phenomenal, just beyond comprehension, God that you are, Lord, you have created us on purpose for a purpose, and we are significant within your master plan. God, I pray that you would help every person in this room 
find that purpose, to seek out your plan, and to begin to walk in it. Or we all know we take detours from time to time, but you're so gracious, you get us right back on the right road every time we take a step towards you. God, I'm thankful that as we do that, there's a stability, an anchor, a, just a solid rock kind of that we're standing on when we do that. And Lord, it just, it just makes life easier. You have come to give us life and life to the fullest, abundant life. And we, God, we know that in order to do that, we, we have to walk in those purposes and plans that you have for us. So God, we give you praise today and we commit to you to be your hands and feet, to walk in those purposes, to do our part within your master plan and to fulfill our personal purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.